Wildwood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you would now, please take out your Bibles and turn in them to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 10. You don't have a Bible with you, there should be one under a chair in front of you. And you could take that Bible out, and in the back portion of that, turn to page 135, and you would be at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, Brad Pitt may be the most recognized, most popular actor in America today. And I don't know if you know it or not, but Brad Pitt was born in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And he is the oldest of three children from a very conservative Southern Baptist family. However, when Brad went off to college, he scuttled his beliefs that he grew up with. And last Sunday in the newspaper, in the parade magazine section that's tucked in there, there was an article um, on Brad Pitt and his family. And so you had Brad, who's 45 talking about his family, which includes live-in girlfriend Angelina Jolie, who's 34 years old. Their three adopted children, uh, eight, five, and four. Their birth daughter, who is three, and then they have twin toddlers, making up six children in their family. But as I was reading through that, there's one statement that Brad Pitt made that caught my attention. This is what he said related to his kids said, listen, I'm quoting him now, I want my kids to live the lives they want to live. I want them to be fulfilled. I hope I teach my kids to be who they really are. Now, you know, that perspective that he shares, I think, is the prevailing perspective in our culture. And that perspective is one of a very self-focused fulfillment in life. It likes to talk about self-realization and self-glorification and personal success, how we're out to make a name for ourselves. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be who I really am. And we want to teach our children to think that way also. And so the question is, what is the path to true fulfillment. We're right now in the middle of a very short series that we have begun entitled, The Ultimate Fulfilling Focus of Life. What is the supreme objective, the ultimate goal, the master purpose for which we were created? And we began to look at that last week, and our base text for that was 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. So if you have your Bible, I'll just read it again. Whether then you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And we began to develop this idea last time, how we are created for giving glory to God. We find our deepest fulfillment in life when we glorify God. In fact, we saw last week that the ultimate goal, the master purpose of the entire universe, everything in the universe, is designed to glorify God. We were created to honor and glorify God. You were made for that. Brad Pitt was made for that. 
His children were made for that. So as we have begun to tackle this idea of the ultimate fulfilling focus of life, we said we're going to look at three things. The first thing was the comprehensive principle, which we looked at last week, and then we said we wanted to look at some clarification regarding this whole idea of glorifying God, and then thirdly, we're going to look at some specifics of how do we really do that, and how can we do that. So last week, we developed this idea that we are designed and created to honor and to glorify God, to give Him glory, to give glory to God. That's why we were created. So that's the comprehensive principle, and it's a comprehensive principle for the whole universe, not just for us as humanity. What I want to do now today is look at some clarification regarding this, that I am to give glory to God. And we want to look at two things. One relates to God's essence, and the second one relates to our understanding of this idea of glorifying something. What does that really mean? So let's look, first of all, at some clarification when we talk about giving glory to God that relates to God's essence. Now, in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, God is described this way, He is the God of glory. And in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3, you have angels in heaven, in the inner sanctum of heaven, and they are calling out a message, and that message is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And then they say this, the whole earth is full of His glory. Now, when we see that God is the God of glory, and the whole earth is full of His glory, how is it then that we're supposed to give Him glory? How do we add to the glory of the God of glory? How do we give glory to Him? Well, what's important for us to understand when we talk about glorifying God is that His glory is part of His nature. It's part of His essence. The words that would be used to describe that would be intrinsic, inherent. See, glory is who God is is. And we just want to clarify when we talk about giving glory to God is that we can't add to God's glory. He is the God of glory. He is the one who fills the whole earth full of His glory. So when we talk about giving glory to Him, it doesn't mean we're adding to His glory. Let me illustrate this for you. If you leave here today and there's not very many clouds out there, you'll be able to look up and you will see that the sky is blue. In fact, the color sky blue is one of my favorite colors, and it's most likely one of God's favorite colors because that's the color He has given to the sky. The sky is blue. I remember a few weeks ago when my brother-in-law and my younger sister Laurie were here, and we were out in the backyard with my wife, and we were just looking up at the blue sky, and they go, that's amazingly beautiful, amazingly beautiful. The sky is blue. See, we can't make it blue. It's intrinsic to the sky. It's part of the nature and essence of the sky. But we can point to it. We can point to the sky and say, look how pretty blue that is and the, and the white clouds in contrast. We can point to it. But the sky is blue. And in the same way, God is glory. His glory is intrinsic. It's part of His nature and His essence. We can't add to it, but we can point to it. 
We can point to God's glory. We can proclaim His glory. We can demonstrate His glory. We can enhance God's glory in the eyes of men and women and young people. And the reality is we are called to do that very thing. I want to look at a couple of different passages that emphasize that. One is going to be in 1 Corinthians, so you can keep your finger there. But turn with me way back into towards the beginning of the Old Testament to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 16. If you want to do it another way, in the middle of your Bible is Psalms. Go several books to the left. You'll find yourself at 1 Chronicles, chapter number 16, and verse 23. We're to give glory to God. That doesn't mean we add to His glory, but that we point it out. Notice verse 23 of 1 Chronicles 16. It says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Point to the glory of God is the essence of what it's saying. And then I want you to notice 1 Corinthians, chapter number 6, from 1 Chronicles 16 to 1 Corinthians 6. And then I want you to notice in chapter 6, the last couple verses of that chapter. In verse 19, he says, You are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, verse 20, therefore glorify God in your body. I want you to notice the little phrase there in verse 19, you are not your own. Do you know that we are not our own times two? First of all, we are not our own because God is our creator. He made us. You might jot down Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, where it says this as he's speaking to God, Worthy are you, our God and our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. We are not our own. Because he is our creator, he made us. We are not our own times too. We are not our own because he is our Savior and He rescued us. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And the price was the death of Jesus Christ in your place and mine. And that is the thrust of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, where Peter writes and he says of the believers, the followers of Jesus, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Now listen to this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We are not our own times two. But we are to point to the glory of God. Isn't that just incredibly amazing to you? It is absolutely amazing to me that God takes lowly people like us and transforms us and uses us as instruments to show His glory. 
So when we talk about giving glory to God, we wanted to start with just some clarification, and that first clarification has to do with His essence. We're not adding to His glory, we're pointing to His glory. We're proclaiming His excellencies to men and women and young people. But the second clarification we want to make when we talk about how we are to, in whatever we do, give glory to God, has to do with our understanding of that word, glorify. What does it mean to glorify God? And by the way, the word glorify is relatively rare in our everyday life usage. We don't use that word a lot. The most common way you might hear the word glorify might be in these kinds of statements. Someone might say, you know, that movie glorifies violence. Or in a USA Today article in May of 27 of 2008, they were talking about the movie Juno. You might remember the movie Juno. It's about a 16-year-old girl who gets pregnant, decides to keep the baby, and then decides to be involved in putting that baby up for adoption. And that article in the USA Today, as it talked about the movie Juno, asked this key question, does this movie glorify teen pregnancy? Or maybe inside the church, if someone was going to share their testimony and they had come to Christ later on in their life and they'd had a big change in lifestyle, if they were going to share their testimony, we might say to them, don't glorify your past lifestyle when you share what Christ has done with you. That's the common ways we might hear that word. What does it mean to glorify? I want to talk about that, first of all, in English. If you take a dictionary and you look up the word glorify in English, you'll notice it has two definitions. The first definition is to give honor, high praise to, to exalt. The second definition is to cause to have appeal, to approve of something. So as you're looking at those two definitions... The second one is the most common definition used when we talk about glory. When we talk about a movie that glorifies violence or, or glorifies teen pregnancy, we're talking about the second meaning. But when we talk about glorifying God, it's the first meaning that's involved. And that is to give Him honor. Now, some of you might say, well, it's great to understand what uh, glorify means in English, but uh, we speak English, but we know that the Bible is written in the New Testament in Greek. What does the New Testament language have to say? So I want to take a few moments to look at that. So we're going to do a little Bible study now, so you've got to be ready for this. Now, one thing I have noticed about the word glorify is that the, the, uh, the words honor and glorify tend to be synonymous in the New Testament. I want to just show that to you. Look, look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. And we're just going to see that these words honor and glorify tend to be pretty synonymous, the idea of honor and glory to God. In verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever Amen. You have those two terms used side by side, almost synonymously. Look over at the book of Hebrews, a few pages to the right, in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. 
and verse 7. In verse 7, it is talking about mankind, and it says to God, you made him, mankind, a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor, both terms being used side by side. Look at verse 9. In verse 9, it's talking about Jesus here, and we say he was made for a little while lower than the angels because of the suffering of death is crowned with glory and honor. So honor and glory seem to be synonyms that appear a lot together in the New Testament. Let's look at both of those words for a moment. The word or the verb to honor in the original language is the word tamao, T-I-M-A-O. Very interesting word. It comes out of a financial background. And if you look at the Bauer, Art, and Gingrich, Danker Dictionary, the leading Greek dictionary, the leading Greek lexicon, I'll just summarize it by B-A-G-D, you'll see that the word tamao, coming out of this financial background, has two meanings to it. Number one is the meaning of value. Number two is the, the meaning of honor. Tamao is used, for example, in Ephesians 6, 2, and it says, honor your father and mother, the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you would live long on the earth. And the idea there is, is that as you look at your mother and father, you value them because of their position and role in your life, and because you value them, you honor them. Now, that's the word for honor, tamao. Then I want to also look at the word to glorify in the New Testament language, and it's the word doxazo, D-O-X-A-Z-O. Different word. It comes out of a perception background, how someone views something. And if you look at the Bauer, Art, and Gingrich, Danker lexicon, you'll see that there are two definitions of doxazo. Number one is praise. Number two is honor. And you have doxazo used, for example, in Romans 15, 9, when it says glorify God for his mercy. You praise God because he has extended to you mercy, and because you're praising him, you are honoring him. Now, what I want you to see is that these two words are just used interchangeably so much in the New Testament. I'll prove that to you by turning to the Gospel of John. Go with me to the Gospel of John and chapter number 5. And we're going to see these two verbs being used in very similar ways, back and forth. And in John chapter 5 and verse 23, Jesus is speaking and he's talking And he says, so, verse 23 of John 5, he says, so that all will honor the Son, that is, tamao, even as they honor the Father. For he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. It's talking about honor the Son and honoring the Father. Then turn over a few pages to the right to John chapter 8. And we have very similar language being used, but here we have the word doxazo being used. In uh, verse 54, Jesus says, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. 
it is my Father who glorifies me. And so you have this idea of honoring the Son and honoring the Father, and the Father honoring the Son, and the Father glorifying the Son, just used somewhat interchangeably. In fact, right here in chapter 8, verse 49, Jesus uses the word tamao here, verse 49, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. So you see these words are used somewhat interchangeably. They are close synonyms. The first one, tamao, means value and honor, and doxazo means praise and honor. Very similar. In fact, doxazo, if you track it through the New Testament, you will find out that it is actually translated honor in a number of situations. In fact, we talked about 1 Corinthians 6.20, we're not our own, therefore glorify God in your body. If you have an NIV, it translates doxazo there, honor God with your body. Now, we're going through all of that so that we don't have some Christian-sounding words, glorify God, and we don't know what they mean. If I could just summarize all of this down into some vernacular that we can get a grip on, get our arms around, it would be this. This is what it means to glorify God. My aim, His honor. He, not me. That's what it means to glorify God. My aim, His honor, He, not me. And men and women, what the New Testament teaches us is this is to be our central mindset. And this becomes our central mindset. My aim, His honor, He, not me, it affects how we live. It has an influence on our attitudes that we have in everyday life. It will influence our actions. When it is my mindset, my aim, His honor, He, not me, it has incredible ramifications. For example, when my mindset is my aim, His honor, He, not me, I am willing to sacrifice self-honor for His honor. If you go with me to 1 Corinthians uh, back there to chapter, the end of chapter 3 and, and then going into the first verse of, of chapter 4, I want to remind you of part of what was going on there, what was happening in the church is that people were running around and they liked to say, I'm part of this gang. I'm part of this group. Uh, I'm interested in being of Paul or I am going to be in Peter's group or I'm going to be in Apollos' group. And that's what was happening in the church. And he starts to address that issue at the end of chapter 3. And here's what he says basically, bottom line, in verse 1 of chapter 4. He said, listen, if you want to run around, you want to talk about being in my group, I'm in Paul's group, I'm the Paul follower guy. He said, here's the way I feel like this. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ. Don't talk about being in my group because, you see, that's not my mindset. My mindset is my aim, his honor, he, not me. Don't start forming little groups following me. I'm not interested in that. When that's our mindset, we're willing to sacrifice self-honor for his honor. In the anniversary video that you just saw this week that was showed in the 
first service last week, you'll notice how Mark shared, Mark Robinson shared, how three years ago when he was down at Dallas Seminary and he was talking to his professor about becoming the executive pastor at the church and he was talking about how I had been here at the time for 27 years and how uh, Mark was going to take over a, a number of the leadership roles of the church and he was saying to Mark at the time, a guy who's been there 27 years is going to allow you to lead? That can't work. That won't happen. Now, if you were to take me aside and say to me, what's really behind that, Bruce? I mean, how did that happen? I'll tell you what my answer would be. My answer would be, my mindset has been, my aim, his honor, it's he, not me. When that is our mindset, we're not out to make a name, we're out to serve a name. And it becomes what's best for him, not what is necessarily best for me. When that's our mindset, we're willing to sacrifice self-honor for his honor. You remember the story of what happens in Matthew 6 when Jesus is talking about the Pharisees? And the Pharisees, when they, they had made some arrangements, when they gave money into the temple treasury, you remember this story? And when they gave their money in the temple treasury, the Pharisees had arranged for a trumpet to blow when they gave their money. You know, it's like Bruce is getting ready to give now. Everyone's head, turn around and look. Why did they do that? Why did they do that? Well, Jesus even goes on there in Matthew 6 to tell us. He said they did that in order to be honored by men. You see, they wanted the glory rather than God getting the glory. This whole mindset of my aim is his honor, he, not me, is a key mindset. I just want you to know that I have sought to have in place as God has allowed us to function as a national speaker for family life for 13 years. Because, see, there's a lot of opportunities there. You know, you get to speak to eight or 900 people. And everything's well put together. Everything's well oiled. It's well prayed for. And people say, oh, that's wonderful. You're so great. You know, you came from out of town. You must be a real life expert, you know. All kinds of things happen. And it's real easy, you see, to allow that to affect the way you even view yourself. And certainly, who is going to get the honor? But when you have the mindset, hey, my aim is his honor, it's he, not me, makes a huge difference. I like when Mark Robinson was writing in his blog this week about glorifying God. Here's part of the way he described what it means to glorify God. He says, we glorify God when the spotlight is on us, but we give God the credit rather than basking in the spotlight. That's really what it means to glorify him. When our mindset is, my aim, his honor, he, not me, we are willing to sacrifice self-honor for his honor. And there's another ramification, I think, when that is our mindset, that my aim is his honor, it's he, not me, and that is that we are content to be outdone by others as long as God is glorified. See, when our mindset is, 
my aim, his honor, he, not me, I can be as excited about the success of another person as I can be excited about my own success. And that's exactly what Paul lived out. We've been involved in a study of Philippians, which we will return to in a few weeks. But you might remember in Philippians 1, verses 15 to 18, what was happening to Paul. You remember he was under house arrest. He was chained to these Roman guards. What was the heartbeat of his life? He wanted to be sharing the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ with people. That's what his, his passion was. But he was finding himself arrested and chained to Roman guards. And then there were some people around, though, it says, who were preaching the gospel, which Paul wishes he was able to do, and they were doing it out of envy, and they were doing it out of selfish ambition. They were doing it to cause Paul emotional distress. In fact, I believe probably some of them showed up to visit Paul. and Hey, Paul, you know what? You're chained there. Let me just tell you what God's been doing through me. And we've shared this message, and this many people came to Christ, and those people embraced the message of Christ dying in their place, and it's just been really incredible. But their motive was really to make Paul squirm a little bit. And what's really interesting is, here was Paul's ultimate conclusion about all that. He said, what do I really say about that? (laughs) Here's what I say. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. I'm content to be outdone by some other people out there as long as God is glorified. Now, I've been around for a while. Um, I have been really observing uh, very carefully what's gone on in the Christian community now for nearly 40 years, so more than a third of a century. I've watched what's gone on at this church. I've watched what's gone on at other churches. I've done a lot of observing what happens, and here's One thing I've come to a conclusion about, it is amazing what can be accomplished when you don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the honor and the glory. It is amazing what can be accomplished. You know, when you've been here for 30 years, you think back. And part of thinking back is I remember when the pastoral staff at Wildwood was, well, you're looking at, this was the pastoral staff. The pastoral staff was me. Now we have six other full-time pastors. Now, you know what happens when you have six other full-time pastors? There are some other people besides yourself who get recognized and commended for ministry. There are ministry opportunities that some of them have that you don't have. And I want you to know, there are some people who appreciate another pastor's ministry maybe more than they appreciate my ministry. And you know what happens in a lot of churches when that goes on? There's a lot of little rumbling. There's a little bit of complaining. There's a little bit of whining. There's a little bit of wishing. Well, I wish I could be, you know. And some of these people are maybe more intelligent than you. They're maybe more gifted than you. They have different abilities than you have. That can create problems, except if the mindset is my aim, his honor, he, not me. Men and women, we were made for this, to glorify God, to give him glory. We will find our deepest fulfillment in life 
And I wish Brad Pitt knew this. I wish he was communicating this to his children. We find the deepest fulfillment when our supreme objective, our ultimate goal, master purpose, is my aim, his honor. He, not me. Now, the third thing we said we were going to look at as we do this little series are some specifics of how specifically, practically, we can glorify God. And you'll have to come next week for that part. But I want you to know that that mindset, my aim, His honor, He, not me, will make a difference even in the mundane areas of life. If you have that mindset, it will make a difference when you mow the lawn. It will make a difference when you do the dishes. It will make a difference when you're standing in a checkout line at Walmart. It will make a difference when you clean a toilet. It will make a difference. That mindset, my aim, his honor, he, not me, will make a difference. It will infiltrate every relational arena of our life. It will make a difference in how you relate to money. It will make a difference in how you relate to sex and dating. It will make a difference in how you view your work life. It will make a difference in how you view and live out your family life. My aim, his honor, he, not me. We were made for that. We were made for that. Now, I want to conclude with some life response, and the life response that we have as you go through your week involves two questions for reflection. Remember, it says in 1 Corinthians 10.32, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So as you encounter your whatever you do this week, these two questions you can ask. Question number one. What does God think about it? If you come into my office, above my credenza, there's the little sign. What does God think about it? That's the first question we need to ask in whatever you do this week. And then the second question, what would honor Him? Begin to practice this. Begin to think through this mindset, you see. Whatever you do this week, Number one, what does God think about it? Number two, what would honor him? Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you so much that we don't have to just adopt the viewpoint of the world and that you have given us secret inside information. And that is that if we really want to know deep fulfillment in life, we need to be who we were created to be. We need to live in that way. And that means that we are designed, as all the rest of the universe is, to give glory and honor to God. May we be men and women and young people who have that as our mindset, that my aim is your honor. It's you, not me. And Father, the ultimate outcome of all of that is that the person of Jesus Christ can be lifted up and honored in our world in a real way. Thank you for the opportunity we have, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.